Mosiah chapter 7, Introduction After three years of peace and prosperity under King Mosiah, the people began to continually pester the king to send down an expedition into the original country of Lehi-Nephi to determine what happened to them. And now it came to pass that after King Mosiah had had continual peace for the space of three years, he was desirous to know concerning the people who went up to dwell in the land of Lehi-Nephi, or in the city of Lehi-Nephi, for his people had heard nothing from them from the time they left the land of Zarahemla. Therefore they wearied him with their teasings. And it came to pass that King Mosiah granted that sixteen of their strong men might go up to the land of Lehi-Nephi to inquire concerning their brethren. And it came to pass that on the morrow they started to go up, having with them one Ammon, he being a strong and mighty man, and a descendant of Zarahemla, and he was also their leader. It seems strange that King Mosiah would place a man in charge of the expedition named Ammon, who was a descendant of Zarahemla. He had never been to Lehi-Nephi and apparently wasn't related to any of the first expedition. But it was inevitable that this would be a desperately difficult journey because no one knew how to maneuver their way through the narrow strip of mountainous wilderness so as to reach their destination. And now they knew not the course they should travel in the wilderness to go up to the land of Lehi-Nephi. Therefore they wandered many days in the wilderness, even forty days did they wander. And when they had wandered forty days, they came to a hill which is north of the land of Shilom, and there they pitched their tents. It was almost miraculous that after forty days of hunger and fatigue they emerged from the wilderness right where they needed to be, on a special hill just above the city of Shilom, or Shalom, which was close to the city of Lehi-Nephi. And Ammon took three of his brethren, and their names were Amalekai, Helam, and Hem, and they went down into the land of Nephi. Notice that Ammon took with him a man named Amalekai. This might well have been a relative of the recorder named Amalekai, whose brother had gone down to Lehi-Nephi with the second expedition and had never been heard of again. Amalekai the recorder had no children and had turned the entire Nephite library, including the plates of Nephi, over to King Benjamin because Benjamin was so admired by all the people. We mention this in connection with the book of Omni, chapter 1, verse 30. We cannot help but imagine that the Amalekai who went down with Ammon in this present expedition was a namesake of the recorder, perhaps even a relative. Of course, Ammon and his three friends must have been excited to tell someone in authority who they were. And behold, they met the king of the people who were in the land of Nephi and in the land of Shilom, and they were surrounded by the king's guard and were taken and were bound and were committed to prison. This was a shocking development for Ammon and his three friends. They thought they would be hailed with great acclamation, and instead they were bound and thrown into prison. After two days they were hauled out before the king. And it came to pass, when they had been in prison two days, they were again brought before the king, and their bands were loosed, and they stood before the king and were permitted, or rather commanded, 
that they should answer the questions which he should ask them. And he said unto them, Behold, I am Limhi, the son of Noah, who was the son of Zenith, who came up out of the land of Zarahemla to inherit this land, which was the land of their fathers, who was made a king by the voice of the people. Now the king wants these three spies, or whatever they were, to know who he is. The king says his name is Limhi, and he is the grandson of Zenith, the actual leader of the second expedition. And of course his father was Noah. No, I desire to know the cause whereby ye were so bold as to come near the walls of the city when I myself was with my guards without the gate. Little did Ammon and his friends realize why their appearance had so frightened the king. He almost had them immediately killed. And now for this cause have I suffered that ye might be preserved, that I might inquire of you, or else I should have caused that my guards should have put you to death. Ye are permitted to speak. And now when Ammon saw that he was permitted to speak, he went forth and bowed himself before the king. And rising again, he said, O king, I am very thankful before God this day that I am yet alive, and am permitted to speak, and I will endeavor to speak with boldness, for I am assured that if ye had known me, ye would not have suffered that I should have worn these bands, for I am Ammon, and am a descendant of Zarahemla and have come up out of the land of Zarahemla to inquire concerning our brethren, whom Zenith brought up out of that land. Ammon did not know it, but the king thought all the people of Zarahemla were dead. He had sent an expedition north, and they thought they had found the ruins and the bones of the people of Zarahemla. But now here is Ammon saying he is from Zarahemla, and they're not dead at all. What wonderful news! And now it came to pass that after Limhi had heard the words of Ammon, he was exceeding glad, and said, Now I know of a surety that my brethren who were in the land of Zarahemla are yet alive, and now I will rejoice, and on the morrow I will cause that my people shall rejoice also. King Limhi is so overjoyed to know the people of Zarahemla are still alive, that he wants to gather his fellow Nephites into a conference and tell them the good news. In the next two verses, Ammon and his friends learn why Limhi was particularly overjoyed that the people of Zarahemla were still alive. For behold, we are in bondage to the Lamanites, and are taxed with a tax which is grievous to be borne. And now behold, our brethren will deliver us out of our bondage, or out of the hands of the Lamanites, and we will be their slaves. For it is better that we be slaves to the Nephites than to pay tribute to the king of the Lamanites. So King Limhi was assuming that since the people of Zarahemla are still alive, they can come down and rescue the enslaved Nephites. He was even willing to bargain with the people of Zarahemla to become their slaves if they would just come down and rescue them. And now King Limhi commanded his guards that they should no more bind Ammon nor his brethren, but caused that they should go to the hill which was north of Shilom, 
and bring their brethren into the city, that thereby they might eat and drink and rest themselves from the labors of their journey. For they had suffered many things. They had suffered hunger, thirst, and fatigue. And now it came to pass on the morrow that King Limhi sent a proclamation among all his people, that thereby they might gather themselves together to the temple, to hear the words which he should speak unto them. It is interesting that the assembly of Limhi's people were to meet at the temple. This is undoubtedly the temple Nephi had built over three hundred years earlier. And it came to pass that when they had gathered themselves together, that he spake unto them in this wise, saying, O ye, my people, lift up your heads and be comforted. For behold, the time is at hand, or is not far distant, when we shall no longer be in subjection to our enemies, notwithstanding our many strugglings which have been in vain. Yet I trust there remaineth an effectual struggle to be made. Notice the Limai is telling the people, that even though they had battled in vain during the years to get out of bondage, there was now an opportunity to make one more great struggle and gain their liberty. Next, Limai tells them why he thinks they can win if they will just trust in God. Therefore lift up your heads and rejoice, and put your trust in God, in that God who was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and also that God who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and caused that they should walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, and fed them with manna, that they might not perish in the wilderness, and many more things did he do for them. And again that same God has brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem, and has kept and preserved his people even until now. And behold, it is because of our iniquities and abominations that he has brought us into bondage. Now Lemai wants to review how they got into bondage in the first place. He has no compunction against pointing the finger of accusation at his grandfather Zenith. And ye are all witnesses this day that Zenith, who was made king over this people, he being overzealous to inherit the land of his fathers, therefore being deceived by the cunning and craftiness of King Laman, who, having entered into a treaty with King Zenith, and having yielded up into his hands the possessions of a part of the land, or even the city of Lehi-Nephi, and the city of Shilom, and the land round about, and all this he did, for the sole purpose of bringing this people into subjection or into bondage. And behold, we at this time do pay tribute to the king of the Lamanites to the amount of one half of our corn and our barley, and even all our grain of every kind, and one half of the increase of our flocks and our herds, and even one half of all we have or possess, the king of the Lamanites doth exact of us or our lives. And now is not this grievous to be borne? And is not this our affliction great? Now behold how great reason we have to mourn. Yea, I say unto you, great are the reasons which we have to mourn. For behold how many of our brethren have been slain, and their blood has been spilt in vain, and all because of iniquity. And now we learn the Nephites have tried a number of times to fight their way to freedom. 
Many have been slain, but their efforts have always been in vain. For if this people had not fallen into transgression, the Lord would not have suffered that this great evil should come upon them. But behold, they would not hearken unto his words. But there arose contentions among them, even so much that they did shed blood among themselves. Limhi admits that they have been a wicked people. They failed to regain their freedom because of contentions among themselves. Limhi has a particularly heavy burden on his soul. Because God sent them a great prophet, and after he testified of Christ, they killed him. And a prophet of the Lord have they slain, yea, a chosen man of God, who told them of their wickedness and abominations, and prophesied of many things which are to come, yea, even the coming of Christ. And because he said unto them that Christ was the God, the Father of all things, and said that he should take upon him the image of man, and it should be the image after which man was created in the beginning, or in other words, he said that man was created after the image of God, and that God should come down among the children of men, and take upon him flesh and blood, and go forth upon the face of the earth. And now because he said this, they did put him to death, and many more things did they do which brought down the wrath of God upon them. Therefore, who wondereth that they are in bondage, and that they are smitten with sore afflictions? King Limai says all of the afflictions they are now suffering are in fulfillment of prophecy. They have been getting exactly what they deserved. For behold, the Lord hath said, I will not succor my people in the day of their transgression but I will hedge up their ways, that they prosper not, and their doings shall be as a stumbling block before them. And again he saith, If my people shall sow filthiness, they shall reap the chaff thereof in the whirlwind, and the effect thereof is poison. And again he saith, If my people shall sow filthiness, they shall reap the east wind which bringeth immediate destruction. And now, behold, the promise of the Lord is fulfilled, and ye are smitten and afflicted. But Limhi concludes his talk by promising the people that there is a way out of their bondage and afflictions. He proclaimed to them, But if ye will turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart, and put your trust in him, and serve him with all diligence of mind, if ye do this, he will, according to his own will and pleasure, deliver you out of bondage. Mosiah chapter 8 No doubt the people were extremely anxious to hear from Ammon and have him tell about all the people of Zarahemla whom they thought were dead. And it came to pass that after King Limhi had made an end of speaking to his people, for he spake many things unto them, and only a few of them have I written in this book. He told his people all the things concerning their brethren who were in the land of Zarahemla. And he caused that Ammon should stand up before the multitude, and rehearse unto them all that had happened unto their brethren from the time that Zenith went up out of the land, even until the time that he himself came up out of the land. When Ammon had finished telling the people of the events which had intervened since Zenith left Zarahemla with his expedition, 
Ammon reviewed the thrilling address of King Benjamin, which had led the people to enter into a sacred covenant with God. And he also rehearsed unto them the last words which King Benjamin had taught them, and explained them to the people of King Limhi, so that they might understand all the words which he spake. And it came to pass that after he had done all this, that King Limhi dismissed the multitude, and caused that they should return every one unto his own house. The Nephites were a record-keeping people, and in spite of the wickedness of Zenith's people, especially under King Noah, they had kept a comprehensive record. And it came to pass that he caused that the plates, which contained the record of his people from the time that they left the land of Zarahemla, should be brought before Ammon, that he might read them. At this point King Limhi asked Ammon a strange question, which led to an exciting account of an expedition which had been sent north to try and find Zarahemla. Now as soon as Ammon had read the record, the king inquired of him to know if he could interpret languages, and Ammon told him that he could not. And the king said unto him, Being grieved for the afflictions of my people, I caused that forty and three of my people should take a journey into the wilderness, that thereby they might find the land of Zarahemla, that we might appeal unto our brethren to deliver us out of bondage. And they were lost in the wilderness for the space of many days, yet they were diligent, and found not the land of Zarahemla, but returned to this land, having traveled in a land among many waters, having discovered a land which was covered with bones of men and of beasts, and was also covered with ruins of buildings of every kind, having discovered a land which had been peopled with a people who were as numerous as the hosts of Israel. Of course, Limhi's expedition thought they were looking at the ruins of the people of Zarahemla when they were actually looking at the ruins of the Jaredites who had covered the entire land northward. They had multiplied into millions before they engaged in a suicidal war that wiped them out as a people. And for a testimony that the things that they had said are true, they have brought twenty-four plates, which are filled with engravings, and they are of pure gold. One of the treasures the expedition brought back was a set of twenty-four gold plates filled with engravings. And behold also, they have brought breastplates, which are large, and they are of brass and of copper, and are perfectly sound. And again, they have brought swords, the hilts thereof have perished, and the blades thereof were cankered with rust, and there is no one in the land that is able to interpret the language or the engravings that are on the plates. Therefore I said unto thee, Canst thou translate? It is interesting that Limhi was desperately anxious to know what was written on these gold plates. Limhi wonders if Ammon could read these writings. When Ammon apparently shook his head, King Limhi continued, And I say unto thee again, Knowest thou of any one that can translate? For I am desirous that these records should be translated into our language, for perhaps they will give us a knowledge of a remnant of the people who have been destroyed from whence these records came, or perhaps they will give us a knowledge of this very people who have been destroyed, and I am desirous to know the cause of their destruction. Because Limhi pressed Ammon so earnestly, 
Ammon decided to tell the king about Mosiah in Zarahemla, who could translate foreign languages through the Urim and Thummim. Now Ammon said unto him, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records, for he has wherewith that he can look and translate all records that are of ancient date, and it is a gift from God, and the things are called interpreters, and no man can look in them except he be commanded, lest he should look for that he ought not, and he should perish. And whosoever is commanded to look in them, the same is called seer. And behold, the king of the people who are in the land of Zarahemla is the man that is commanded to do these things, and who has this high gift from God. Ammon had described one who can use the Urim and Thummim as a seer, and says the king of Zarahemla has this gift. This, of course, would be Mosiah, who was a prophet, seer, and revelator, as well as the king of Zarahemla. Then I then ask the difference between a seer and a prophet. And the king said that a seer is greater than a prophet. And Ammon said that a seer is a revelator and a prophet also. And a gift which is greater can no man have, except he should possess the power of God, which no man can. Yet a man may have great power given him from God. But a seer can know of things which are past, and also of things which are to come, and by them shall all things be revealed, or rather, shall secret things be made manifest, and hidden things shall come to light, and things which are not known shall be made known by them, and also things shall be made known by them which otherwise could not be known. Thus God has provided a means that man, through faith, might work mighty miracles. Therefore he becometh a great benefit to his fellow beings. King Limhi was highly animated with this new knowledge. It meant that when they had been liberated from the Lamanites down in Lehi-Nephi and had joined the Nephites in Zarahemla, they could show the seer the 24 gold plates. They could have him reveal the history of this people who had become so numerous in the land northward and then destroyed themselves in civil war. And now when Ammon had made an end of speaking these words, the king rejoiced exceedingly, and gave thanks to God, saying, Doubtless a great mystery is contained within these plates, and these interpreters were doubtless prepared for the purpose of unfolding all such mysteries to the children of men. Oh, how marvelous are the works of the Lord! And how long doth he suffer with his people? Yea, how blind and impenetrable are the understandings of the children of men! For they will not seek wisdom, neither do they desire that she should rule over them. Yea, they are as a wild flock which fleeth from the shepherd, and scattereth, and are driven, and are devoured by the beasts of the forest. As King Limhi reflected on everything Ammon had told him, he could not help but exclaim, quote, Oh, how marvelous are the works of the Lord! Unquote. Mosiah chapter 9 Having recorded a few highlights from the history of the Nephites who went down to Lehi-Nephi with Zenoph, 
Mormon decides to give us the entire history from the plates of Zenos himself. This will comprise a total of 14 chapters. I, Zenith, having been taught in all the language of the Nephites, and having had a knowledge of the land of Nephi, or of the land of our father's first inheritance, and having been sent as a spy among the Lamanites, that I might spy out their forces, that our army might come upon them and destroy them, but when I saw that which was good among them, I was desirous that they should not be destroyed. We learn quite a bit about Zena from this first verse. He claims to be proficient in the language of the Nephites and implies that this includes a knowledge of Egyptian as well as Hebrew. Zenith also indicates that he had an intimate knowledge of Lehi-Nephi, the land of their first inheritance. This implies that he belonged to that special group of Nephites who were taken out of this very region by Mosiah I and were led northward to discover the people of Zarahemla. He was one of those who became homesick to return to Lehi-Nephi and was therefore a member of the large group who comprised the first expedition. In fact, he was sent in among the Lamanites as a spy to determine whether or not they might be willing to return the land of this region to the Nephites. He says he felt there was a lot of good among the Lamanites and that they could negotiate with him, and therefore they should not be destroyed. Therefore I contended with my brethren in the wilderness, for I would that our ruler should make a treaty with them. But he, being an austere and a bloodthirsty man, commanded that I should be slain. But I was rescued by the shedding of much blood, for father fought against father, and brother against brother, until the greater number of our army was destroyed in the wilderness. And we returned, those of us that were spared, to the land of Zarahemla, to relate that tale to their wives and their children. We are never told the name of the leader of the first expedition, but in Omni chapter 1 verse 28, we are told that he was a strong and stiff-necked man who was opposed to Zenith's proposal for an alliance with the Lamanites. And when the leader ordered that Zenith be slain for making such a proposal, the entire excursion broke out into a bloody conflict so that all were slain except fifty. These survivors made their way back to Zarahemla. And yet, I being overzealous to inherit the land of our fathers, collected as many as were desirous to go up to possess the land, and started again on our journey into the wilderness to go up to the land. But we were smitten with famine and sore afflictions, for we were slow to remember the Lord our God. Nevertheless, after many days wandering in the wilderness, we pitched our tents in the place where our brethren were slain, which was near to the land of our fathers. Note that Zenith admits his great zeal to inherit the land of their fathers, and so he organized a second excursion. It sounds as though this second excursion lost its way in the mountain wilderness as they tried to make their way back to Lehi-Nephi. 
They suffered famine and many sore afflictions before they emerged from the wilderness and set up camp on the very spot where so many of the first excursion were killed. And it came to pass that I went again with four of my men into the city, in unto the king, that I might know of the disposition of the king, and that I might know if I might go in with my people and possess the land in peace. And I went in unto the king, and he covenanted with me that I might possess the land of Lehi-Nephi and the land of Shilom. And he also commanded that his people should depart out of the land. And I and my people went into the land that we might possess it. And we began to build buildings and to repair the walls of the city, yea, even the walls of the city of Lehi-Nephi and the city of Shilom. And we began to till the ground, yea, even with all manner of seeds, with seeds of corn, and of wheat, and of barley, and with niaz, and with shiam, and with seeds of all manner of fruits. And we did begin to multiply and prosper in the land. It must have cheered Zenith's soul to see how friendly the Lamanites were when Zenith and four of his cohorts proposed to the Lamanites that they retire from most of this land surrounding Lehi-Nephi, and let this new body of Nephites take over the cities of Shilom and Lehi-Nephi. It was their intention to get the farms back into shape and repair the buildings that had been allowed to fall into decay. Now it was the cunning and the craftiness of King Laman to bring my people into bondage that he yielded up the land that we might possess it. Therefore it came to pass that after we had dwelt in the land for the space of twelve years, that King Laman began to grow uneasy, lest by any means my people should wax strong in the land, and that they could not overpower them and bring them into bondage. Now they were a lazy and an idolatrous people. Therefore they were desirous to bring us into bondage, that they might glut themselves with the labors of our hands, yea, that they might feast themselves upon the flocks of our fields. But now we learn that the Lamanite king, whose name was Laman, was not as benevolent as Zenith had supposed him to be. After twelve years he intended to repossess the farms which the Nephites had brought back under cultivation. So the king began stirring up his people to covet the lands of the Nephites. Therefore it came to pass that King Laman began to stir up his people, that they should contend with my people. Therefore there began to be wars and contentions in the land. For in the thirteenth year of my reign in the land of Nephi, away on the south of the land of Shilom, when my people were watering and feeding their flocks and tilling their lands, a numerous host of Lamanites came upon them and began to slay them, and to take off their flocks and the corn of their fields. Yea, and it came to pass that they fled, all that were not overtaken, even into the city of Nephi and did call upon me for protection. It was in the thirteenth year that the Lamanites made a murderous attack on the Nephites, and the people from the outlying regions fled to the city of Lehi-Nephi and pleaded with Zenith to save them. And it came to pass that I did arm them with bows, and with arrows, with swords, and with scimitars, and with clubs, and with slings, and with all manner of weapons which we could invent. And I and my people did go forth against the Lamanites to battle. 
Zenif must have suspected that eventually the Lamanites might cause trouble because he seems to have provided a great store of arms to distribute among the people. When the Lamanite attack occurred, he seems to have rapidly armed the Nephites. Yea, in the strength of the Lord did we go forth to battle against the Lamanites. For I and my people did cry mightily to the Lord, that he would deliver us out of the hands of our enemies. For we were awakened to a remembrance of the deliverance of our fathers. Up to this time there was nothing to indicate that Zenith was a particularly religious man. But in this terrible crisis, he and the other Nephites called mightily upon the Lord to save them as the Lord had saved his people in the past. And God did hear our cries and did answer our prayers. And we did go forth in his might, yea, we did go forth against the Lamanites, and in one day and a night we did slay three thousand and forty-three. We did slay them even until we had driven them out of our land. And I myself with mine own hands did help bury their dead. And behold, to our great sorrow and lamentation, two hundred and seventy-nine of our brethren were slain. This was no small skirmish. The war only lasted one day, but among the Lamanites three thousand and forty-three were killed, while two hundred and seventy-nine Nephites were slain. But as these figures would suggest, the Lamanites were ultimately driven out of the Nephite territory. Mosiah chapter 10 Having had their first military encounter with the Lamanites, Zenith and his fellow Nephites determined to be prepared for any future difficulty. We do not know how many Nephites Zenith had brought with him from Zarahemla twelve years earlier. But having 279 killed would have been a significant blow to the Nephites. And it came to pass that we again began to establish the kingdom, and we again began to possess the land in peace. And I caused that there should be weapons of war made of every kind, that thereby I might have weapons for my people against the time the Lamanites should come up again to war against my people. And I set guards round about the land, that the Lamanites might not come upon us again unawares and destroy us. And thus I did guard my people and my flocks, and keep them from falling into the hands of our enemies. It was obvious that Zenith and the Nephites had learned their lesson. And it came to pass that we did inherit the land of our fathers for many years, yea, for the space of twenty and two years. This was amazing. Very rarely in Book of Mormon history do the people enjoy prosperity and peace for twenty-two years. And I did cause that the men should till the ground, and raise all manner of grain, and all manner of fruit of every kind. And I did cause that the women should spin, and toil, and work, and work all manner of fine linen, yea, and cloth of every kind, that we might clothe our nakedness. And thus we did prosper in the land. Thus we did have continual peace in the land for the space of twenty and two years. Whatever else might be said about Zenith, he certainly was an industrious frontier leader. And it came to pass that King Laman died, and his son began to reign in his stead. And he began to stir his people up in rebellion against my people. 
Therefore they began to prepare for war, and to come up to battle against my people. The conniving old King Laman finally died, and his son took over with some ambitions of his own as far as the Nephites were concerned. But I had sent my spies out round about the land of Shemlon, that I might discover their preparations, that I might guard against them, that they might not come upon my people and destroy them. And it came to pass that they came up upon the north of the land of Shilom, with their numerous hosts, men armed with bows and with arrows and with swords and with scimitars and with stones and with slings. And they had their heads shaved, that they were naked, and they were girded with a leathern girdle about their loins. We note that when the attack occurred, the Lamanites appeared on the scene with their heads shaved and their bodies naked except for a leather girdle about their loins. And it came to pass that I caused that the women and children of my people should be hid in the wilderness. And I also caused that all my old men that could bear arms, and also all my young men that were able to bear arms, should gather themselves together to go to battle against the Lamanites. And I did place them in their ranks, every man according to his age. And it came to pass that we did go up to battle against the Lamanites. And I, even I, in my old age, did go up to battle against the Lamanites. And it came to pass that we did go up in the strength of the Lord to battle. It is obvious that as far as Zenith and the Nephites were concerned, this was an all-out war. The women and the children were all hidden in the wilderness, while all of the men were set up in ranks ready to fight, even the old men, including Zenith. We also have the highly significant statement that they went forth in the strength of the Lord. Now the record of Zenith has some interesting comments about the Lamanites and their excuse for killing the Nephites. Now the Lamanites knew nothing concerning the Lord, nor the strength of the Lord. Therefore they depended upon their own strength. Yet they were a strong people as to the strength of men. They were a wild and ferocious and a bloodthirsty people, believing in the tradition of their fathers, which is this, believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers, and that they were wronged in the wilderness by their brethren, and they were also wronged while crossing the sea, and again that they were wronged while in the land of their first inheritance, after they had crossed the sea, and all this because that Nephi was more faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore he was favored of the Lord, for the Lord heard his prayers and answered them, and he took the lead of their journey in the wilderness. And his brethren were wroth with him, because they understood not the dealings of the Lord. They were also wroth with him upon the waters, because they hardened their hearts against the Lord. And again, they were wroth with him when they had arrived in the promised land, because they said that he had taken the ruling of the people out of their hands, and they sought to kill him. And again they were wroth with him, because he departed into the wilderness as the Lord had commanded him, and took the records which were engraven on the plates of brass, for they said that he robbed them. It is amazing that for over four hundred years, this propaganda against the Nephites had ingrained in the Lamanites a permanent hatred, 
a hatred that was used as an excuse to murder, rape, rob, and make war against the Nephites from generation to generation. And thus they have taught their children that they should hate them, and that they should murder them, and that they should rob and plunder them, and do all they could to destroy them. Therefore they have an eternal hatred towards the children of Nephi. Zenith now realized that even though King Laman had been very friendly when Zenith and his people first came down from Zarahemla, he harbored all of these same hateful feelings toward the Nephites and eventually intended to put them under bondage. For this very cause has King Laman, by his cunning and lying craftiness and his fair promises, deceived me, that I have brought this my people up into this land that they may destroy them, yea, and we have suffered these many years in the land. And now I, Zenith, after having told all these things unto my people concerning the Lamanites, I did stimulate them to go to battle with their might, putting their trust in the Lord. Therefore we did contend with them face to face. It was Zenith's intention to stir up the Nephites by reviewing the history of the Lamanites and then urging them to engage the Lamanites face to face. This means hand-to-hand combat, stabbing, cutting, slicing off sword arms, disemboweling and running swords through their bodies. It is enough to fire a gun at an enemy a hundred yards away, but hand-to-hand combat allows for all kinds of atrocities. And the record says that before the Lamanites were driven out of the land, There were so many slain they didn't even count them. And it came to pass that we did drive them again out of our land, and we slew them with a great slaughter, even so many that we did not number them. And it came to pass that we returned again to our own land, and my people again began to tend their flocks and to till their ground. And now I, being old, did confer the kingdom upon one of my sons, Therefore I say no more, and may the Lord bless my people. Amen. And thus we come to the end of the reign of Zenith. He turned the throne over to one of his sons and closed his writing by saying, And may the Lord bless my people. Amen. If you are enjoying this podcast with W. Cleon Skousen, you might enjoy his lecture recordings while at Brigham Young University, found at skousenlibrary.com.